0: Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on cage.press.com. I'm David Goby Freeland, joined as always by your co host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Well, the UFC is off this weekend, but as always, that does not mean we aren't hitting you with some great content. This week, we're all in on the PFL Championships, which are coming to you on Black Friday. We're kicking it off with an interview with Olivier Aubon Mercier, who is getting ready to fight for a million dollars against Stevie Ray, who, get this, We'll be on a little bit later in the show. We'll talk to both ends of that championship matchup. Plus, as always, we're going to be breaking down some fights for you guys. We'll be breaking down three of the big million dollar championships, as well as giving you an underdog parlay that we think will make your wallet fat for the PFL championships on Friday. But before we get to any of that great content for you, we do have to let you know that this episode of the Top Turtle MMA podcast is brought to you by Pickett. Picket is the social betting platform that allows you to sync all of the action from your sportsbook accounts in one nice, neat little spot. Not only that, but you can stay up to date on all of the bets that your friends are dropping and show your big scores as well. It's a great place to build a following if you're an up and comer in the sports betting world. Or hey, if you're an established veteran and you're just trying to expand that audience, Pickett's great for that too. So really, whether you are a new, regular, or an experienced better, it's time to stop what you're doing right now, join the Pickett community by downloading the Pickett app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Pickett brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready, the fighters are ready, listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby! All right, and joining me today is Olivier Alban Mercier, who fights Stevie Ray at the PFL Championships. That fight is on November 25th on Friday. So, Olivier, I-, I wanted to start here. I've actually heard you talking, you know, with a couple other media outlets. I, I noticed you've mentioned the word retiring after the PFLs a little bit. I-, I was wondering if you could take us through if there's any more development in that. Where where you kind of stand going into these championships? Might this be the last time we see the Canadian gangster?
1: Uh, I don't think so. I think I'm going to have some uh, energy for uh, one more year. But like I said, in all the uh, the lo- uh, other uh, journalists, it's uh, I mean, fighting PFL is different. You know, it's not like uh, uh, you're going to fight once or twice uh, a year. It's you're going to fight fi- uh, four times a, a year. And it's uh, it's really demanding for on, on the on the body. So uh, I think I may have one more year. Uh I may have to look for two more years. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do that. Well, and so I, I got to ask you then, because, you you know, you mentioned the PFL. It's a
0: really strenuous schedule and, and you don't just fight once or twice a year. H- have you liked that format? Have you liked just constantly being in camp or is it just like the toll on the body is just too much?
1: Um, It's like love and hate uh, relationship, I would say. Um, I mean, after this season, I'm going to be so proud of, uh, of what I did uh, during the season. So, uh, I mean, there, just for that, I think it's worth it. Uh, but yeah, for sure, it's uh, I would have like a little bit more break in between the, the fights. But that's what it like make it like so so much compelling, you know. So, um, yeah, it's a love and hate relationship, I would say. Uh, I'm happy that they, they do it like this. Uh, I'm just complaining because I'm getting old.
0: <laughs> well, and, and I, I got to ask then too, because, you know, you, you're talking about like either another season of PFL or my career's over. Does this mean that you're sort of at the place in your career now where, where PFL is the last place you're going to fight you don't plan on ever moving on from this organization?
1: Um, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't want to say uh, never, but like, it fit me like, really nicely uh, in PFL uh, they they have like a really nice team uh, so I really like them I feel uh, I feel uh, at my place uh, in PFL and like I, I don't want to say like never maybe like in two years I'm gonna say like yeah I'm ready to go again mm-hmm. uh, let's do it but like for now I think I'm really happy with what uh what I have.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Now, obviously, you're happy with what you have, but you'd be a lot happier if you went on the 25th because what you'll have then is a million dollars. Now, you know, the, the obvious question everybody's going to ask, every reporter's got to ask you time and time again. Don't do it, bro. What, what, do do it. You do, what are you doing with a million dollars? Oh, what, what would a million dollars
1: mean to Olivier Aubameur-Mercier? I don't know. Nothing. I, I mean, maybe I'm going to buy some shampoo. You know the shampoo that makes you <laughs> not lose your hair? <laughs> I want. I'm gonna get that. I'm pretty scared of losing my air from all the stress I got this year. So uh, that's probably probably be my first, uh, first thing I'm gonna buy. But other than that, I don't know. I guess I'm gonna survive. I hear it's not uh, good, like looking so great out there. Uh, <laughs> so probably I'm gonna try to survive with that money. So now that's the second time I've heard you,
0: you know, mention stress and the stress of the season too. You know, obviously the physical toll on your body, but but was it also stressful for you mentally to go through this kind of season? Was it was it hard for you, you know, to to not have that break for your brain, for your your mental state, for to not be in a camp?
1: Uh, I would say it's easier actually because you don't have time to really think about it. Uh, I think I'm more stressed for this fight since I had a, a bigger break. Uh, but, like, the my last fight against Alexander Martinez, bro, like, uh, I, I fought, I took one week or two weeks off, and then uh, I was in training camp already, and the fight was there. So, it was so, so fast, and I really felt like, oh, I don't think I really had time to uh, to <laughs> to get stressed about that one. And uh, same thing with Manfio, it's, it's going so fast. So, I would say this one is a little bit uh, worse, and... Even though it's not more important than the other five, like all the other five were as important as this one, uh, I guess since it's really close to the to the the finishing line, it's a, it's a little bit more stressful. Um, but uh, I mean, fuck, I don't know. Uh, I think it's I, th- I think it's stressful, but not as bad as uh, as I thought it would be.
0: Well, that's good to hear. Now you know you, you mentioned not having very much time in outside of training camp. Did you feel like in these training camps, you had the ability to improve what you were doing and to make adjustments? Cause I know sometimes, you know, you go into fight camp, you're just trying to get yourself in fight shape and you're trying to get your your body right before the fight. But you know, that time in between fights is where a lot of adjustments get made or where a lot of people go back to the drawing board and fix some of the things that were wrong. Do you feel like you had that time and you've been able to make adjustments this past year?
1: No, uh, nobody have that time in uh, in PFL. I mean, you have to do this uh, in between season. I think uh, with PFL, make no sense to try to change your game uh, in between fights. Uh, so yeah, you have to be to do it in between season. But the good thing about that it's uh, maybe uh, you won't change too much uh, technically, uh, but physically it's uh, it's it's crazy. You know, like uh, I'm so much more physic physically uh, ready. Uh, then my first fight in the PFL, it's really like going like this since the since uh, the first fight, and it really showed that uh, I'm in the best shape uh, from uh, like uh, of any of the fights for this year. It's really really crazy, and uh, I'm really and I I'm tr- I'm actually really surprised uh, with uh, how much fitness I, I got in uh, this year. Like I never been that much in shape, and everybody is saying the same thing. It's, it's really, really nice to uh, to be uh, in that form uh, in my final. You know.
0: Well, that's awesome to hear. Now, I also wanted to ask you about another thing that went on this season, and that's you know they they obviously allow one advertisement on the shirts, and and you decided to use that space for the QR code for the the Bitcoin wallet, which was you know innovative. It's something that that got people talking. I'm curious, and obviously you don't have to disclose the amounts or anything like that. Was it a big success? Did you think of that as a success uh, at the end?
1: Yeah, I think I can tell you. I mean, uh, I made well. <laughs> right now, it's probably worth zero. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like at that point, I, I think it was 2,000 fights, something like this. I'm not. I'm really not sure. Like uh, to tell you the truth, like uh, it was more for the. Uh, for everything around it. You know, I, I want to make uh, people aware of uh, what you can do with uh, Bitcoin. And, uh, but if I remember correctly, it was 2000 fights. And um, like I received some uh, some uh, some like, tips from 10 bucks to I think a thousand bucks, something like this. So <clears throat> it was uh, pretty interesting. And uh, uh, what was interesting too with the, my second fight um I think uh, we did a, a lightning uh, a lightning uh, wallet so people didn't really pay uh, any fee for to, to, to send me a uh, bitcoin so it was really interesting I'm really proud of that actually um, so, yeah so yeah I was really happy with that it's just that at some point one of my friends uh, Mike Ward was really willing to uh, sponsor me uh, and uh, I think it was like more for a joke. And I like that kind of stuff. So I decided mm-hmm. to go with uh, my court.
0: Well, that's good to hear. Now I, I'm curious too, you, you mentioned, you know, you're trying to bring awareness to it and, and bringing, you know, th- that idea to more fighters. Did more fighters reach out to you about possibly doing a similar thing?
1: Uh, I, I don't think so. I mean, like, um, I did it and maybe two, three months later, the UFC, uh, did it. So, um, um, i think it was with crypto.com good thing it was not with ftx <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i think the crypto.com are giving uh, fighters uh, a bonus every uh, every uh, event um so so like a lot of fighters are talking about it and a lot of fighters are actually aware of uh, of bitcoin and especially people that are retired uh, they are really aware of it and uh, uh, it's it's interesting that a lot of fighter are, are aware, and they kind of I feel that they understand it more than a lot of other sport. Um, so it's uh, yeah, I mean I, I'm really happy with uh, what happened with that.
0: Well, that's great to hear now, I, I obviously got to bring it back to what people came here for, and that's the fight itself. You're standing across from Stevie Ray, a guy who you know we we talked about retirement a lot here. The dude had already retired before he's about to to step into the season. And now he's standing across from you, having upset a former UFC champion to get to you. What are sort of your thoughts on on Stevie Ray as as the guy who is going to be standing in the way of your million dollars?
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty funny because, like, me and Stevie are, are friends. And before the season, he asked me how was PFL. And I was like, bro, they're they really nice. They, uh, they respect their fighters. And they, uh, they are truly, like, uh, uh, really kind, you know? Um and he said, "Oh, I'm if signed with them." So it's <laughs> it's interesting that we uh, we are in the final right now. Uh, well, one year after he asked me that. So uh, with that being said, I mean, um, I, I'm a little bit surprised that I'm fighting him in the in the final. And I think he truly deserved that. I think he truly uh, deserved it. He he was not supposed to be there, and he was able to come back to come back to finish uh, Pietis in the second round during the, the regular season. And then he was able to win the, 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 the fight to get to the final. So uh, I'm really happy uh, with him. But uh, unfortunately, we are looking at the same prize. And uh, I cannot le- let him like do the same thing uh, with me. So I mean, like, yeah, for sure, he's a, he's a friend. But I fought a friend just before. And in Alexander Martinez, so I, I won't be uh, I won't be any different, you know. Uh, um, I I don't like it's it's sad to say, but I, I don't really care uh, about this side of the story, you know. I I want to uh, I want to achieve uh, to have the, this achievement, this achievement of being the the PFL uh, champion, and uh, I think he, it's the same for him. Um, so. Yeah, well, it is what it is, you know. Uh, I'm pretty sure he he made some good money anyway this year. So uh, maybe, yeah, Yeah, that's it. I think that's my thought. I think I I explained it (laughs) well enough.
0: (laughs) Oh, it's perfect. It's perfect. So, you know, obviously, I I like to ask, too. You know, you mentioned he got that grappling going. It won him the semifinals fight. It's what got Pettis out of there for him the first time he fought him. How do you see his grappling matching up for you? And what do you sort of predict is the outcome of this fight?
1: Oh, fuck. I think, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. To, to to be honest with you, I really don't know how he's going to approach the, the fight. I know how I'm going to approach the fight, but I really don't know what's, what's going to be his, his uh his situation I was going to like try to attack me uh I I don't know if he's going to try to take me down I don't know if he's going to try to keep the, the fight standing and uh to be honest I I do feel that um uh, like it could any of those stuff can be can, can lead to a finish from <laughs> on my side you know so um uh it's going to be interesting to know what's gonna do and uh, I'm looking forward to to the fight but like, I feel I'm, I do feel I'm better everywhere. Uh, I do feel I have to be really careful everywhere. I think he's a, he's a, he's really strong on the feet. I think he, he have a pretty good potato in his backhand. And I think on the ground, he's crazy too. Uh, I remember rolling with him uh, when I was a, a tri-star. And I mean, he was crazy, but i do think i was a lot better than him on the ground so uh, I have to be careful because i think he have new stuff in his uh, in his sleeve but uh, i think we uh, I, th- I think that's pretty much it i just have to be careful uh, so um, yeah uh, I-, I cannot finish uh, under him that's for sure uh, i think that's pretty much it
0: all right well you're here to hear first folks this has been olivier alba mercier who fights steve v ray at the pfl championships Friday, November 25th. Olivier, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Olivier Aubame-Mercier. Once again, I'm Dan, you got to be really joined now by my co-host Shockwave, Dave Tremonte. Dave, let's start here. Uh, this past weekend's UFC event had a very unfortunate pullout at the last second. Derek Lewis rushed to the hospital with some sort of ailment, although we were told it was non-COVID, non-weigh-in uh, related. Those are the only two things they ruled out, COVID and weigh-in related. What would you make of the whole debacle and how much it affected uh, an otherwise fairly uneventful Apex event?
2: Very uneventful. Well, I think, you know, this is a byproduct of when the UFC expanded their schedule to feature more fight cards throughout the year. You're going to have things like this happen. You know, this happens on a loaded pay-per-view show 12 years ago. That, you know, was uh, those happened once a month and then maybe there was like a fight night because I believe it was in 2014 when the UFC expanded from like 30 events all the way up to 45 or whatever it was. Point being that if this had happened a long time ago, he would have just been one fight on a card that was already loaded you know, he's main eventing a fight night card and this happens. And then the whole card just feels decimated because of that. There's not a lot of depth on a fight night for main events. Um, so that to me was like the worst part about it is that the whole night then just took on this air of like, well, there's not even a real main event. That
0: sucked. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. And and that's probably the big difference for me. It's not like these fight pass cards or, you know, whatever you want to call them now, ESPN plus cards or um, apex cards. It's not like they don't have a ton of, like, value to them, right? Like, we got to see Jack Della Medalena go in there, pick up his third straight first-round win. The guy is a future star in the making, but he's, like, not ready to carry his own card yet, right? Like, not until he had this performance against Danny Roberts, and he probably needs another good one before we see him headlining anything or even coming close to headlining things. So I, I wouldn't say it's that, like, they're not able to fill their cards with, like, meaningful fights, but they're not able to fill their card with enough people who could headline, because let's let's face it, Kennedy and Suchuku and Ian Kudalaba. Ian Kudalaba, who by all the accounts is probably not going to get another fight in the UFC, that's a weird one to have as a main event.
2: Seriously. Now, from a rankings perspective, it didn't really hold anything up. You know, Derek Lewis, the perpetual gatekeeper at this point, is ranked number seven. Spivak was number 12. So in that regard, it doesn't even really hold up the division that you know. Oh, this this fight didn't take place, but you know it got me to thinking, Gumby, um, just about title challengers at heavyweight. So obviously now there are rumors that John Jones might come back or the UFC's targeting it. Dylan King reported this. UFC's targeting a Jones-Naganu match with Curtis Blades there in the wing. Curtis Blades, you want to talk gatekeeper? I mean, he's not going to get a title shot as long as, or at least for the time being, as long as Francis Naganu's the champion considering their history together. He's lost him definitively twice before. Uh, so that all being said, and with the rumors that Stipe's out, who do you see as the next title challenger? Should the Jones thing not materialize, which wouldn't be a shock at this point, where do you see a title challenger coming for at heavyweight? So it, you know. From?
0: It, so so you're saying in this theoretical world here, uh, John Jones isn't actually coming back in the spring. Stipe is actually on the shelf, and my only like solid option is Curtis Blades, right? Is that? Uh, the the theoretical world I live in
2: (laughs) the theoretical world you live in is Stipe retiring Jones doesn't materialize and right so Curtis is or excuse me Curtis Blades is there but you have to figure they just
0: don't want to do that matchup again so who who would deserve it in that case so I think you're running into a situation where you're getting pretty close to saying uh well, first of all, surreal gain is, is waiting in the wings. The guy's still there. He's still around. Do we want the rematch? Probably not right away. I'll also say if Sergei Pavlovich uh, beats Tai Tuivasa Vasa and that fight is happening, not this Saturday, obviously with no UFC card, but next Saturday, Sergei Pavlovich has low key made himself into a very nice title challenger after losing his UFC debut to, to Alistair Overeem, which by the way... What a way to debut in the UFC, right, against Alistair Overeem. He's since then rattled off four straight knockouts. Now, granted, it's taken him three years to do that. But in the last calendar year alone, he's knocked out Shamil Abdurakhimov and Derek Lewis. Uh, if you were to go in there and put it on Tai Tuivasa? yeah, I don't know, dude. That's that's three ranked dudes, including Derek Lewis and Tai Tuivasa. I think you could sell him as a title challenger at that point.
2: Steve, this is the kind of material I was going for. Very interesting. I think it's a, it's an astute point, and I actually want to turn this into a mini game. Just came up with it off the top of my head. Let's call it uh, one out from a title shot. We'll come up with a snazzier name later. Maybe even get like a fun song to play us in. But let's go through a couple of divisions, Gumby. I'm interested to hear not past the announced next challenger, not the next obvious challenger, but maybe like one out, one out. You know, who's brewing on, in the on-deck circle? So you go to light heavyweight. We know Glover is going to be trying to regain his title against Yuri in a few weeks. But let's just assume Yuri keeps that, or even
0: let's just say Glover wins that. Who's next? So I, I think Jan Ankolaev is for sure going to be for the number one contender fight, but I'll also say Jamal Hill is probably not that far off either. Like he, he seems like he's waiting in the wings. So the obvious answer in that division, Jan Blankovic or Mike Mette
2: Now, I think you have to give two different answers for this one, but if you go to middleweight, assuming Ida is the next title challenger to try to reclaim his title, very similar to the Glover uh, situation. If Ida Sanya wins, who would be the next challenger if Pereira defends who would be his next challenger? Cause I think it's a different answer because, uh,
0: Ida Sanya has already cleared out most of the division as champion himself. I'm not sure it's a different answer. I- I'm going to, I'm going to throw a wrench in this. I don't think it's an a-, a different answer for a person who's one fight out. I think the answer in both cases is Robert Whitaker. Uh, because cause Robert Whitaker has also cleared out most of the people below him. He's fighting Paulo Costa at the beginning of, of 2023. I think that fight is coming in February. So, like, if, if he beats Paulo Costa, even if it's Izzy, like, how far down the rankings are you going to go for a title challenger for Izzy? Like, there isn't a guy Izzy hasn't sparked until you get to Sean Strickland at number seven, who's coming off the Pereira loss. Um, or, or like Jack Hermanson at eight, Darren Till at nine. Like, I mean, I guess if Darren Till had some sort of like miraculous win, like maybe him, but like, yeah, like I, I still think it's, it's Robert Whittaker waiting in the wings.
2: I think the next one is actually pretty obvious, but assuming that Usman does get an immediate rematch over Leon Edwards, then you have Colby and Kamzat, uh, facing off. And obviously the winner of Colby and Kamzat is next in line for the title.
0: So that's if that fight happens. Like, I I know we keep hearing rumors about Colby Kamzat being like, oh, it's all but signed or, oh, it's all but ready. But then you get Kamzat regularly tweeting things. Like he tweeted the other day, he's like, I signed on the dotted line for, for December 10th. Where are you, Pajeda? Which is like, first of all, one of the dumbest things I've ever seen because Pajeda just became champion in a grueling five-round fight with Israel Adesanya. He's sure as shit not taking a two-week notice fight to fight on a co-main event of a pay-per-view against the guy who's fought one time in that division, right? Like that that's one of the most absurd tweets I've ever seen. So yes, Colby versus Kamzat would make a ton of sense, but I'm going to throw a wrench at things. There's also a guy in that division named Bilal Muhammad who I think people keep forgetting the name. uh, And and he makes a lot of sense in that one, too. Like, he could fight either of those two guys, probably Kamzat, being that Colby seems like he's uh, just content to never fight again. I'd take the winner of Bilal and Kamzat, too. You know, Islam fighting
2: Volkanovski is coming up in weight, which I still to this day think is a little ridiculous. Now watch Volkov go go out and make me look like a clown, but I just think Islam's going to be too big for him, and the size mismatch will be a problem. Uh, but that all being said, Islam, let's assume, retains against Volkov. Who do you think gets the title shot there? Maybe, uh, you know, what's nice is there are some fresh opponents for him at, at the title Uh, for the title, whereas if like Oliveira had won, you know, you'd be going down the list, uh, because he's already beaten Poirier and Gaethje, but in this case, Islam, uh, has not fought them, at least off the top of my head. So you might have some nice fresh title challengers there. What do you think?
0: I think it's going to be, and I, but this match hasn't been announced yet, but it really feels like, uh, Dustin Poirier versus Benil Daryush is going to happen. The winner of that. Uh, because Darius did have a very impressive win over Matthews Gamrat. It's time for him to get one more fight, squeeze one more fight in there and see if he can get his title shot. So I'm gonna say the winner of Darius and Poye.
2: I like that. And then Volkanovsky's going up to 155. So who do you think well that, you know, I mean, listen, this could hold up that division for uh seven, eight months, maybe, depending on what happens in that fight. Who's going to be there to challenge Volkanovski for 145 when all is said and done?
0: So they already announced that interim title fight. And for those of you who might have missed it, the interim title fight between Yair Rodriguez and Josh Emmett, which is a very surprising sounding title fight at the end of the day. But like, okay, so that person would, in theory, be ready to fight uh, Volkanovski. But of course, if he wins or he gets badly injured... We might see them have to defend the interim title, and then in that case, I think you're looking at whoever wins that fight versus somebody like Arnold Allen waiting in the wings against, uh, Mm. you know, like maybe Arnold Allen's got to fight Brian Ortega, or maybe he's got to fight Max Holloway, but like, you know, there there are two guys in an interim title shot, and, and there's a whole lot of people right there after
2: Interesting. Uh one thirty five, I think it's assumed that Sean O'Malley is going to be the next title challenger uh, past that. Should Sean O'Malley
0: win? Should Aljo defend who would be right there? So Sean O'Malley is, his kind of been confirmed or at least he claims he's been confirmed that his next fight will be for the belt. Now Aljo seems like he's going to be on the shelf for a while. So that belt might be an interim belt for Sean O'Malley. I've heard rumblings that it's Marlon Vera. So Aljo might fight the winner of Sean O'Malley and Marlon Vera in a rematch. I think that one makes a lot more sense than everybody clamoring to see Henry Cejudo again with like I I need to see that Henry Cejudo can come back, make weight and still look like himself because he's been gone for two years. But I think either of those probably makes the most sense. And I also think people are forgetting Murat Tavoshvili out there, dude. And he while I wasn't super, super impressed with his win over Jose Aldo. The guy is now on a, you know, like a, I think it's a seven or eight fight winning streak, which includes, you know, Marlon Marias and Cody Stamen and John Dodson and Jose Aldo. And like, maybe not the best list, but man, that guy's put together a run too. So you got a bunch of people one fight away there.
2: And then at 125, Brandon Marino, the interim champ, Figueredo, the actual champ, who's one out, let's say.
0: Man, that's a tough question, um, but I think the correct answer for who's won out, and it, it, I mean, it really depends on, like, whether or not he gets another fight, but I, I lean for Alexandre Pantoja, right? Like, that guy's on a three-fight winning streak where he's beaten Alex Perez and uh, Brandon Royval and Manel Cape, but, like, still somehow hasn't gotten that next crack at the title, and he's already beaten Brandon Moreno, so especially if Moreno were to win, uh, Pantoja makes the most sense. So I got Pantoja closely uh, in there too.
2: Amanda Nunes, one of the most dominant <laughs> champions we've ever seen in one of the most uh, depth filled divisions. Gumby gun to your head. Who's next in line and who's one away
0: at 145. <laughs> so LOL, I think, am just so, kidding. So no, no, I can, I can answer that because, uh, Caitlin Vieta is fighting Raquel Pennington. I think if Catlin Vieta wins that fight, I think you wind up seeing her in there, um, and I also say this: like I, I think Irene Aldana is not all that far away well, either. Hold on,
2: so you're you're approaching this from like a realistic point of view at 135. <laughs> I was making a joke about
0: 145. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I forget. <laughs> it sounds like they're getting rid of 45. By the way, not that uh, not that that should be a shock to anybody, but I did hear that they've asked Norma Dumont to come down in weight. Aspen Ladd's obviously been released. Uh, Chelsea Chandler had told us on this show that if she was still fighting at 45, she would want to fight booked in December, but otherwise we'll need into February. Obviously, she didn't get booked in December, so that means she's probably waiting till January or February to make 35. So it seems like 45 is going away. Um, but with that being said, you don't even need to queue me up for 35 because uh, I just told you, Ketwood Vieta beats Raquel Pennington. She's went away. Uh, Irene Aldana coming off those wins over Kunitskaya and on both by knockout. I, I think she might be right in the mix. too. Uh,
2: Dominant champion Valentina Shevchenko at 125. is Is there actually... I'm trying to recall. Is there actually an announced
0: challenger for her right now? I, there's not an announced challenger, but my God, does it feel like it's Manolfi Rowe. Um, yeah. Manolfi yeah, Rowe having just beat Caitlin Chokagian feels like it's a big enough win. And I'll also say this. I know they don't love giving uh, rematches against uh, Valentina Shevchenko, but like, I, I really feel like Talia Santos is not that far away uh, being that she looks so good against uh, Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, you could also say, you know, Lauren Murphy is about to fight um, uh, Jessica Andrade. So, like, should she win that? There's also, like, rematch blood there. Um, Alexa Grasso doesn't feel like she's quite there yet, but maybe one win for her, too. Like, if she were to beat it to Leah Santos. Um, but, yeah, Manolfo is probably next. That makes sense. So- well, and then who would be one out is actually what I wanted to ask. Oh, yeah, then one out is Alexa Grasso. Yeah.
2: Makes sense, and then of course we have one fifteen. Uh, Zhang is champion again. All is right in the world. It would make sense for Rose, I think, to go and fight her again, since she has the wins over her already. And now it's time for Lee to try to slay that dragon and you know actually get Rose out of her rearview mirror, so to speak. But that all being said, who do you think's one away? I
0: actually think Rose is one away. Um, I think they're going to give the title fight to Amanda Lemosh. Amanda Lemosh going in there, knocking out Mayne Rodriguez really brutally. I, I think Rose is lackluster is her last performances. I think she's got to go beat somebody like Yan Xiao Nan before they give her the Wei Li Zhang fight. I'll also say I think Yan Xiao Nan is probably one fight away. If she were to go beat a Rose Namajunas, I think the UFC would love to do a Wei Li Zhang versus Yan Xiao Nan like fight in Beijing. So. Um, I, I would say uh, Lamos is getting the title shot. Rose and Yan Shanan, one fight away. Ooh, I like it. That is an
2: exciting division.
0: And that was an exciting segment. I liked it. I, liked, I like
2: looking one down the road a little further out than any sort of immediate title implications. But that's not what brought us to the dance today. Today we're talking fights, dogs, and parlays for the PFL Championship. Uh, no UFC, so we'll branch out. We'll spread our wings as they say. Gumby, does anyone sponsor this edition of Fights, Dogs and Parlays?
0: Absolutely. Fights, Dogs and Parlays is brought to you by Maroon Social, M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app, the martial arts enthusiast, where you can follow jiu jujitsu, or any other martial art. You can use Maroon Social to log your training sessions, tag your training partners, log competitions, weigh-ins, and so much more. Ditch that dirty jujitsu journal and get you on Maroon Social wherever it is you download apps.
2: We got ourselves a Ronda Rousey 2.0 here, gold medalist, world champion judoka in Kayla Harrison. She's a minus 600 favorite <laughs> to Larissa Pacheco, a plus 400 dog. By the way, Kayla undefeated in MMA. Pacheco, on the other hand, has four losses. 18 wins, though. Been doing the damn thing for a damn long time. Been active since 2012. Uh, who you got here?
0: So you mentioned she's got four losses on her record. If, if you go down them, it's worth noting who they are. Kayla Harrison, Kayla Harrison, May to and Jessica Andrade. That is a crazy list of losses for one person to have on her record. But she's already lost to Kayla Harrison twice. There's a reason she's a massive underdog here. It probably should be bigger. Negative signature probably uh, doesn't put a cap on how dominant Kayla Harrison has been, particularly against Pacheco. So yeah, give me Kayla Harrison here.
2: So that was for the 145 pound women's final of the PFL. I failed to mention that. For the 265 pound men's final, we got Auntie 2 210 favorite, and Matthias Sheffel, a plus 180 dog. My guy, Auntie, his nickname is Walking Trouble. Walking Trouble is coming off uh three one streak, and that makes sense since uh, he is the two to one favorite. And then, uh, mm, Matt is it Matthews Matthews Matt- Matthews 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 uh 17 and 8 record finds himself the dog here he's coming off a two-fight
0: win streak do you see reasons to take him I don't because if you look at that last loss it was a loss to Anthony Dejia so like part of the problem with this uh with this season format of PFL is we get so many rematches like this one and I just don't see enough of what Sheffield has done that makes me think, like, oh, he's changed. Even if you go back to his loss on Contender Series where he lost to Azamat Mirzakhanov and didn't get into the UFC, you know, like, those are the types of losses that make him look like a big underdog against D'Elia. So, um, you know, he got backed up, put against the cage, knocked out. Hey, same thing happened a little while later against D'Elia. So I'm going to expect it to happen again. I'll take the favorite again.
2: I like it. All right, here's the closest odds we've had to break down. Well hundred seventy pound men's final. Uh Sadebo Sai, a minus one fifty five favorite. Guy's got a absolutely tremendous uh fighter nickname. He's the Swedish Denzel Washington. Uh and he finds himself the slight favorite here at minus one fifty five to Dylan O'Taylor, a plus one thirty five. Break it down.
0: So I like Sadapu in this fight, mostly just because I think he's safer. Um, Dylan O'Taylor can be, like, a really dangerous puncher. Um, we saw him knock out uh, Roy McDonald. But we also saw him just kind of, like, nearly get out grappled by Zaffirino. And, and Zaffirino's good. I like Zaffirino. But I worry that, like... Because he's so risky and he puts himself in bad situations, like, Psy takes advantage of those. He puts you up against the cage. He takes you down if he has to. You. you know, he picks you apart when you're you're overextending yourselves. I, I expect Psy to just be, like, the smarter fighter here and probably outpoint him. Because that's really what he did to Roy McDonald when he beat Rory McDonald. He didn't go out there and knock his block off. He You know, he just did the right thing every single time. And I kind of expect him to do the right thing here and pick up a million bucks in the process.
2: I like it. Our dog of the week, though, is Bubba Jenkins, a plus-125. Let's hear it.
0: Yeah, so we got to get some dogs in here. I like Bubba Jenkins just because I love his wrestling. I think he becomes an instant... Uh, live dog every single time he fights because that wrestling is so good and against Brandon Lognan like Lognan is is good in his own right in wrestling but basically he wants to get in there and strike he wants to get in there and throw hands and against Jenkins I think he's going to have a tough time staying off of his back in a grueling exhausting five round fight like this with a million bucks at the line I just think he's going to tire before Jenkins does so give me Bubba Jenkins here
2: uh, And our parlay to play: Aspen Ladd a minus 225, and Rob Wilkinson a minus 190. Two favorites, two two to one favorites on average. But pair them together, get you plus 120 odds. Let's hear it.
0: Yeah, I've just never been a real big fan of Julia Bud, so this is partially a fade of her. I, I really think Aspen Ladd, despite having a couple of dud performances that led her away from the UFC, I think she is much, much better than the talent we see in Julia Bud. So the fact that you're only at like negative 225 for that fight. I think it's a steal. I also think it's a steal that Rob Wilkinson is coming in here against Omari Akhmedov as a very, I mean, not like a slight dog, but like a, or a slight favorite, but like a decent favorite without being negative 300, negative 400. He's got crazy knockout power. Omari Akhmedov is not particularly good at range because he, Hey, let's face it. He's a real short guy for this division. So I actually see Rob Wilkinson just, absolutely slugging him at the end of his punches. Anytime he tries to get in close, you're going to see that knockout blow. And we're going to put those two together for plus money.
2: Boom. Well, that wraps up this edition of fights, dogs, and parlays. We sure hope you enjoyed it. Let us know how we did. Did we do you right? Did we do you dirty with these picks? At Top Turtle MMA on the social needs. Gumby, we're having fun here. Let's keep the party going. What should we do
0: next? We're going to transition now to my interview with Stevie Ray, who is fighting the aforementioned Olivier aubame Mercier for a million bucks. He talks about that fight, formally training with Olivier aubame Mercier, and so much more. We're going to get to that interview for you right now. Hey, guys, Gumby here with just a quick editor's note before we get to this interview with Stevie Ray. Uh, The sound quality about halfway through there was apparently a problem with the recording. We just wanted to give you a heads up that about halfway through this interview it does get kind of scratchy. We've sent it to all of the people who could possibly help us out with editing and make it sound more reasonable. Believe it or not, it does sound more reasonable. So I wanted to, first of all, apologize for the sound quality of this interview about halfway through, and just let you know that if it is a little bit harsh to your ears, this will not be the new norm. Um, So once again, please accept my apologies and enjoy this interview with Stevie Ray. All right, and joining me today is Stevie Ray, who fights Olivier Aubame-Mercier at the PFL Championships. That fight is on November 25th. So Stevie, I I wanted to start here. Obviously... You retired. You, you had announced that you were going to retire, and now here we are. You know, less than a year later. How crazy is it that you're a week away from fighting for a million bucks?
3: Uh, yeah, no, quite surreal. Um, uh, yeah, I retired. Uh, it must have been a, a couple of years ago. Um, that I announced the retirement. Um, it was shortly after the. You know, the whole departure with the UFC. Um, back when my knees were not great. Um and uh yeah, COVID was here. To be honest, I was never ever fully retired. I just emotionally retired and then um COVID was here so it was hard to get signed to a new promotion. Um but, yeah, because it had been so long, I started to wonder, you know, maybe this is going to be me done. But, uh, yeah, like you said, crazy. My next fight for a million dollars and a world title. Uh, yeah,
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and just out of curiosity, so you said, you know, you were looking to sign with a new promotion. You started to have those doubts creep in. What about PFL it felt like the right thing to get back in the game?
3: Yeah, that's it. To be honest, I was just waiting on a promotion. You know, I had a few offers here and there, but, uh, like, Brave were interested um, so I'd heard from Brave, I'd heard from some other smaller shows, um, and then, yeah, my manager, Ali, said, uh, that PFL were interested in me doing their season, and uh, yeah, that was that.
4: And, and, and I actually talked a little bit earlier with Olivier Aubameyang here, a guy who I, I know you're familiar with, and we'll talk about that fight in a second, too, but he said that he remembered chatting with you about the organization before you signed. Do you, do you remember having that chat with Olivier?
3: Eh, uh, to be honest, uh, no, not I can't really remember, um, uh, I mean, we last trained together, uh, it would have been like four years ago, so it was quite a while ago. Um, but yeah, no, I can't, I can't really remember that.
4: All right, no, no problem at all. So, so let's talk about the fact that that is for your buddy now, Olivier album a guy who, like you said, you trained with like four years ago, he's now you round Price Star, and such like that. What is it like being that he's the guy standing between you and this championship?
3: Uh, to be honest, it doesn't matter who it is in front of me. Um, you know, it's always the same. I'm going to train arse off. I'm going to, you know, everybody's got strengths and weaknesses. Um... And yeah, I'm just going to go in there and try and get the job done. Regardless, you know who you are. Uh, I mean, Alivier's a nice enough guy, but obviously he's in my way of making a million dollars and the world title. So um, yeah, there's not going to be any friendship when the kids do does a lot. That makes a lot of sense. Now, do, do you feel like you have a better sense of your opponent knowing that you've been on the mask with him before too, versus other opponents, or is four years kind of enough time where he's probably transformed to the point where you're kind of back to square one? Uh, to be honest, I, d- I didn't even have to train him um, to know what kind of fighter he is. You can see it on the, f- you know, you can see on the footage. Um, you know, he's he's a self boy. Um, he's predominantly a grappler. Um, he uh, strikes not bad. Uh, hits hard. Um, he's, big, he's strong. Um, you know, he's won a lot of fights. Um, via wrestling, like maybe. Uh, he's not the biggest fan favorite. Um, you know, like like you know, his last fight I'm sure he got booed. Uh, or or a couple of people, whatever it was, but um. Yeah, it's just the same, to be honest. It doesn't matter who I'm fighting. When there's a million dollars in front, I'm going to be calling.
4: Absolutely. Now, I want your last thought on that fight in just a second. But before I do, I want to ask you how you feel about this season as a whole. Because I've heard from a lot of PFL players, they love the ability to stay active, they love the ability to fight all the time. But others say, you know, the slog on the body is just way
3: too much. You know, they don't feel like they ever have enough time to recover. Where do you sort of fit in all that? Did you like the format of the PFL season? I like being active, but to be honest, the four fights uh, within seven months has, uh, has been a lot. I'd like somewhere in between. I'd like maybe three fights. Um, three fights over a year maybe uh, or even four fights over a year but it's literally been four fights within seven months technically um, so yeah it's been, been tough I mean obviously it's tough on the body it's tough on like life in general just always training because obviously when I'm, when I'm training like the wife at home uh, we've not really been able to do very much this year um, but obviously that's all um, the sacrifice that we're hoping to pay off and uh, so yeah like I'm going to wait and see after this fight to see what happens um, if I'm going to do it next year or if it's would like, to maybe just do regular fight. but I to speak to you know, the boss is um after the next one. That
4: makes a lot of sense. I, I'm assuming then you retirement completely off the table for the year. You're back a lot in your here entirely.
3: Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not. I want to be retired for a good few years. Um, I, I feel back. You know, uh, kind of in my prime. Like obviously I'm a bit older than some of the you know younger fighters coming through, and I'm going to be as athletic or energetic and stuff. But I mean, I'm healthy. Um, and I'm back enjoying the sport. Um. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to a break, obviously. I'm looking forward to a break and pizza and all that, and that's where you can't. But yeah, I'm, I mean, we're going with a little tension. Uh, right
4: here now, before that, you always try to let the opposition out of first. How do you see fighting with the OAM on November 25th?
3: I mean, I'm always going to be trying to finish him, uh, but he's, he's never been finished in a fight. yet. Um, he's only lost to the other decision. Um, but that being said, I don't think he's done five rounds before, so um, you know he might be more susceptible to getting finished in the championship rounds, but to be honest, as long as I'm, I, I'm just going to come a fight from the get-go, I'm going to try and put them away and if I'm going put them away, then, uh, then I'll be happy with that decision. So I'll go uh, either a, a late softage or a decision.
4: All right, well, your next this has been Steve, Ray, who played the late of the Bombers here at GDLGNHS at fight November 23rd. Steve, thank you so
3: much for the time, I really appreciate it. Thanks, for appreciate See it. See you now.
0: And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Pickett and Maroon Social. And remind you guys, you can check us out on social media at Top Turtle MMA in both Twitter and Instagram. And until next week, I'm Daniel Gubbie-Freeland. Heave, Shockwave, Dave Tremonte. We'll catch you then.